You are now listening to Vaulting the Walt, a direct-to-sequel podcast. I just want to ask you, KT, one thing. Mm-hmm. Will you indulge me a little on this episode? I think I've already agreed to. I I know, but I wanted to get it on mic. I wanted to get on mic that you'll allow a little indulgence mm-hmm. <laughs> flying <laughs> off the handles. So, I mean, I think this episode deserves it. <laughs> To start, I think you should introduce the podcast really quick, just to get that out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, welcome to Vaulting the Walt, a direct-to-sequel podcast. Uh, I'm KT, and I know a little bit more about Disney. I'm Sam, and I know nothing. And we're here to discuss those great and many varied direct-to-video sequels to classic Disney movies. This week, we're taking a look at uh, Beauty and the Beast, Belle's Magical World, from 1998. Uh, the sequel to 1991's Beauty and the Beast. Okay. So to start, <laughs> I just want to say a few things to get it off the bat, because I want the listeners to know what state of mind I am currently in. So, number one, coffee does not affect me. Okay. Coffee does a little to nothing on me, because, and I don't really know why. My personal theory is I have undiagnosed ADHD, and caffeine is a stimulant and stimulants are used to treat ADHD. So when I have a normal amount of caffeine, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. But if I have an abnormal amount of caffeine, I can feel the effects of it and I'll feel a little more awake. Mm -hmm. If I have the amount of caffeine that I have just consumed, (laughs) I lose it. I literally lose it. The last time I've had this much caffeine was back in college when I wanted to see what's the largest size at Starbucks. What's it called again? Like the Trente. Yes, the Trente. It's isn't it kind of like a secret size? They don't really talk about it much. Yeah, it's not on the menu. You have to know, and they won't make it. They won't make certain drinks in Trentes. Yeah, I ordered a Trente. What was it? Cold brew, not nitro. Oh they don't do nitro in that size. There's levels of caffeine. <laughs> yes, so I got just a cold brew. With no milk, no sugar, no anything. It was just pure distilled coffee in a Trente-sized cup. Today, I have had two vanilla iced... Um, what is it called? I've had two iced vanilla lattes okay. uh, with Blonde Espresso. It's more caffeine for people who don't know coffee. Yes. Blonde blonde espresso means they roast it differently. So it's it's higher caffeine. Yeah. Yes. And um, basically what I know about, um, and I got a Vente, which is the size below a Trenta. Legal size. Um, It's a very big, and I got two of them at two Uh different locations. Uh Um, Because I was afraid to go back to the first location because I didn't want the guy to recognize me because I had just bought one earlier that day. My plan was to sip the second one through this recording. But then I had to go do something else and kind of lost a little of my energy I was feeling earlier. So I was like, I'm just going to chug it. So I just oh, no. chugged my second no. <laughs> Christ. Uh, vanilla iced coffee with almond milk. Always with almond milk. Try to be dairy free. Mm-hmm. So I just feel that needs to be out in the open at the start here. It's a disclaimer. It's a disclaimer. And if anything else... This episode will will serve as a warning to the dangers of caffeine. I think it's going to get a little kooky this episode, too. I think this episode is going to get a little crazy. And if people don't know, I 
I indulged a little bit. I knew what happens when I drink a lot of caffeine. People get scared when I drink a lot of caffeine. Last time I did it, people were like, Sam, what the fuck is wrong with you? I was holding my chest. I was staring at the corner of the wall a lot. People were like, Sam, are you okay? So I knew I'd get a little kooky if I had to record the podcast. And I knew that this episode needed a little something, a little (laughs) extra juice. (laughs) So I'm juicing this episode up. I'm pumping it full of steroids. It's not there in the movie. (laughs) I'll say that for sure. Uh, It's It's uh, something. Uh, so that's my so, that's my spiel. If you have a spiel you'd like to do, um, only small spiel this week. Okay. Unsurprisingly, there's not a lot of information about this movie online. Like there's you know the main the, the, the standard amount maybe maybe a little less. Uh, this is an interesting phenomena in the sequels. Uh, this is the start of our midquels and uh, movies that are failed TV shows. I don't know if you caught that watching this, Sam. I caught it um, at a certain point when halfway through, I was like, what the fuck is this? And I started looking <laughs> it up while yeah. watching it. Yeah. And to to call back to our first episode where I asked you, what is a midquel? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know now? <laughs> I finally seen it. I've seen huh? what a midquel is and I don't like it. No, midquels are tricky. Uh, so yeah, this is the first. Well, okay, I'll get this out of the way. To start with, this is the first. This is not the first Beauty and the Beast sequel. Uh, there was another midquel that came before this, Spells Enchanted Christmas. Uh, yes. That is actually pretty decent. I, I enjoy it. I watched it this Christmas. Um, that may be covered later for Christmas. Um, yes. And that's pretty all right. This follows this by um, a few months. Like it's, I think it's like a November, February oh. release thing, right? Before people yell at us. I'm going to say we on this because I yeah. I'm going to, you know, I'm standing by you on this. We don't like doing things out of season. <laughs> it's not Christmas. We're not no, recording not. during Christmas. Not doing Christmas um, in July. It's we're the not. Summer. We're not in Australia. It's the summer. It's hot. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. uh, we don't want to do a Christmas special because our hearts wouldn't be in it. And we're mm-hmm. two sentimental people who mm-hmm. like Christmas. I pretend mm-hmm. I hate it. But I like Christmas, and I, I I can't get in the Christmas spirit in the middle of the summer. No, no, no. Yeah, agreed. So that's one reason why. Uh, but we're skipping straight to this uh, great movie. This is a good movie, right? Fantastic movie. Amazing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I, I think it really... might be the worst, worst yeah. thing I've ever watched, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it didn't make me like, like, there's things that make me angry that I would mm-hmm. rate below this just because they make me angry, but they're, they're made well, mm-hmm. just make me mad. Cause I don't like the content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted so badly for this podcast to have been your idea. So I could lay the blame at your feet <laughs> for making me watch this. No, this is all on me. It's all Sam. Mm-hmm. I mentioned I was rewatching all the Disney animated movies and uh, you went, Oh, what if we watched all the sequels too in a new and different idea? I, as we said in the intro, know nothing about Disney. So to me, mm-hmm. I think it's really funny if the only thing I know about Disney is the direct-to-video sequels because I'm an insane person <laughs> who just likes knowing insane things. 
Well, this add this to the insanity list because this is oh, it's on there. Up there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just a quick overview, I think, before we go a bit too crazy. Um, yeah, this is the first. So okay, backstory I didn't find out until I was doing research for the poo episode. Uh, after the success of uh, Return of Jafar, a Disney executive said that somewhere in the company, every future and past project at Disney was put into development for a potential sequel. Huh. Think about that. Every future and past, everything from the Disney canon was wide open. So I think this explains how this happened a little bit. But there's, see, this is the thing with, okay, so right, Beauty and the Beast, a beloved movie, the first animated right. film to be nominated for Best Oscar, or Best Picture at the Oscars. Um, yeah, which for you know. people, like, who might not know awards things, that's not Best Animated, that's Best Picture. Yeah. Like, this that's why before, it was, yeah. yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big fucking deal. Okay. Um, yeah, so Beauty and the Beast, pretty big. Uh, as I mentioned, as we've mentioned or talked about earlier as well, Disney was looking to uh, put their movies into television shows. So it comes as no surprise that I guess at one point, uh, the idea of a Beauty and the Beast television show came on. However, uh, there already was, or running at the same time, a successful Beauty and the Beast television show for children. Did you know this, Sam? I did not. Right. So it was called Sing Me a Story with Belle, uh, which was a live action TV show with puppets, wherein uh, Belle was played by an actress and she was running the bookstore in the local village now. And there's kind of like puppets everywhere and stuff. And she would uh, tell stories to the local village children. Uh, but the stories were actually just old Disney shorts. So it was a way so to get like a popular IP in and recycle old Disney content. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> like they're just uh, yeah, they're just like, oh, what's that other puppet show? Let's just I don't know puppets. <laughs> it's very like kind of like out of the box, you know, kind of multi camera uh, with a set and, you know, it's like Playhouse Disney kind of like uh, puppets, you know, like maybe like a bit of like Mr. Rogers and stuff. Um, it aired. It was pretty. It aired for a season, but it had 26 episodes. It ran from 95 to 97. It was running in the UK until 2007, which is sort of insane. I um, think if I messaged that Russian guy, I could get <laughs> I could get um, copies of that. Sam, they're on YouTube. You do not need to contact <laughs> a mysterious Russian man to watch them. <laughs> for context, I've been emailing since January with a Russian man for copies of The Muppet Show. And he said it cost me $25 and I found them online for free. Mm -hmm. I just like talking to him because he was nice and he's going <laughs> to rig our election. So I may as well get on his good side. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, your, your adventures. I don't even know what to say. Sam. <laughs> what? I, <laughs> I have fun adventures. I you put do. myself you... in weird situations. You're the zany one. Um, but anyway, so the, what I'm trying to say is that there's already a Beating the Beast TV show. So I figured, and I guess watching this as well, I, I imagine somebody went, no, we cannot air this. We cannot make multiple, you know, like 40 plus episodes of this garbage because <laughs> it's not very yeah. good. The thing with the midquels, the midquels are an interesting thing. Midquels are a hard thing to do, right? Because I, I mean, sequels and prequels are hard as well. But I think midquels offer perhaps the greatest challenge because you have to, 
somehow fit it in with the emotional or the like personal arc of the characters in the original movie in a way that they can still end up at that original place at the end of the movie, but you still want to have conflict and stuff, right? So you end up with very weird things, which I think is very right. evident in this TV show. Um, yeah, and this isn't going to be like, uh, like uh, we're talking about direct-to-video Disney sequels. Like, they're not going to be like a Miyazaki movie where they're questioning the nature of life. Just ha <laughs> like, they're like, I mean, that's something you could potentially do. Like, if you wanted to do, like, a middle chapter, it's like, oh, Belle's just questioning the meaning of life and nature uh, for an hour. <laughs> yeah, but, while she's imprisoned in this castle. Uh, yeah, but that's like, not what we get. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not. <laughs> Uh, just a few. So yeah, this is this also sets a precedent. Um, this is the first direct-to-video sequel that does this, where apparently at one point Disney created or ordered or had the intention of making a TV show, an animated TV show based on existing uh, movies um, that went wrong, and just kind of like slapped all the episodes they had together into a movie. So this happens later with Cinderella. This happens with uh, Tarzan, Atlantis. All those uh, are failed TV shows. Um, this was more successful than anticipated, which is probably why it got a DVD release. And just as a uh, <laughs> forewarning, the DVD release added a short that wasn't in the original VHS release. So we, Sam and I watched the original cut. Um, there's a Snyder cut is what we're saying. <laughs> In a way. The, uh, so this one, the one we watched only had the three shorts. The DVD release had four shorts. The fourth short was first released uh, from a direct-to-video release released by Disney TV Animation uh, called Bell's Tales of Friendships, which was released to promote singing a story with Bell, which had Bell telling the story of Mrs. Potts' party, which was another episode from this failed TV show. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like nothing. Uh, and then I guess for the DVD, they just decided to put it with its um, other brothers and sisters. Um, what else? Uh, it is, according to the Disney uh, fandom wiki, which is, you know, obviously an authority on things, it is one of the few sequels to be outright ignored uh, in, like, Beauty and the Beast canon, because people hate it so much. And it I'm insults. staring at the wall and holding my chest right now. Oh no, Sam! <laughs> I'll get. I'm, I'll try to speed this up. Uh, and while researching for it, and I haven't seen any other uh, any of the other movies we uh, have covered so far show up on this, but it it has an entry on uh, awful movies wiki. Heck yes. So that's where we are. <laughs> uh, if you couldn't tell, this movie is very bad. <laughs> it, I wonder who put that there. On awful movies wiki. Yeah, I wonder who put it. Probably some enraged Beauty and the Beast fan. It's like the kind of quality slide from, you know, only animated movie to be nominated for Best Picture for the longest time to yeah. one of the worst sequels, like the rec -to video sequels, which is already, let's be honest, a bit of a low bar, is kind of yeah. insane. Should um, we get into it? That's, that's pretty much all I had. There, like I said, there's not. It was uh, animated by a group in the Philippines. Not even like, you know, earlier it was like Disney Japan, Disney Australia. Uh, from what I can tell, it was just nondescript group of people in the Philippines. That's it. That's all the information I got on the production on this. But let's get into it. So there's three segments. Uh, each one is like a episode, you know, we can assume is an episode of the TV show. This is actually the first Disney movie to open with a storybook since Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, and it's 
ter- it looks terrible. It's, it's like it's weird CGI. CGI. Yeah. It looks so bad. Um it it like starts to retell Beauty and the Beast. And this is where I was like a little like, okay, what what is what is this gonna be? And it like starts mm-hmm. to retell it, but then it doesn't say the ending of Beauty and the Beast. And I was like, Oh, because it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then it it gets going and it's so choppy. The animation. Yeah, oh boy. If Pooh's Grand Adventure was at least a bit good looking because it got, you know, uh, remastered for a Blu-ray, we're definitely back to like Aladdin Return of Jafar levels, perhaps worse. I, I'd say this looks worse. Um, I'd say this is one of the worst looking things I've ever seen. Um, and, uh, you know, I've dreamed of actual nightmares of terrible monsters getting me uh, at night. And I don't think anything was worse than this. I will, I probably had nightmares about this, but I don't remember them because I barely slept and then drank a ton of coffee. Great. It's great. My first note after uh, noting that it opens with a book is, in fact, oh, geez, Belle's face. Yeah, Belle's face. Her eyes are, like, going all over the place. <laughs> They're all over the place in this movie. It's a mess. Um, uh, yeah, this the first segment is called The Perfect Word. Um, oh my, can we talk about the character the, the extra characters introduced in this? In this okay, so there's a piece of paper. Uh, there's okay, pen. very confusing. Yeah. Okay, I just the paper is the one that concerns me the most, right? Because we open on well, it's yeah, it's alive. We open on the beast first off, writing someone for wood, like he's reading aloud, dictating to his um animate quill named La Plume, um, which I believe is French for pen, and saying, Please bring wood. One, who is he writing, right? In the movie, there's no suggestion that he has any contact with the outside world, so who is he? You know, the surely he lives. Man? He lives in the middle of a dark forest. Can he go chop his own wood? Like, you know, he's a he's a sassy little bitch. He's a little asshole. He's not gonna chop his own wood. He's such a dick. No, but right in the movie, there's no no one knows the beast exists except for Belle's dad, Belle, and the villagers when she tells them. Right. So like, who is he writing? Yeah. Like, it ruins like the idea of like this magical castle that's kind of like self sustaining. In the middle of the wood. Yeah, because why is the paper alive? How is paper okay. alive? Yes, you look you. at so the paper. He's, he's writing on this paper, and you're like, okay, paper. And then the paper kind of flips out and like folds itself into a note or a scroll or whatever. And then you realize that the like a whole stack of papers is like, alive, right? And has a face so, like, and a when, name. When the so- curse <laughs> goes away, does he like come back like half a person? Because half his yeah, paper's does he gone? lose a bit of himself every time? <laughs> The beast wants to write a letter to who knows. I, 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 it just and they set up in the intro. They set up the idea that in Beauty of the Beast, it's like a curse. Well, no, like they mentioned multiple times, it's like a curse, and that they could all get stuck like, yeah. as those objects. So it's not like they're trying to make you forget this idea that these are still people. So in the back of your head, you're like, that's a person. Mm-hmm. Also, it's paper. That yeah. he's just writing on, mm-hmm. like at least like um, candle and clock, uh, they still exist. And people even question the candle guy. They go like, "Well, shouldn't he like burn up?" Uh, also, yeah. Some notes. I don't know any of their names, and I thought it would be better if I kept it that way. So I'm just gonna yell candle and clock. 
Um, because mm-hmm. I, I I don't remember their names. So it's I'm just gonna say it. I don't expect you to continue using their names, but it's Lumiere and Cogsworth. Yeah, candle and clock. <laughs> right. Uh, he's writing. Bell meets a dictionary named Webster. Haha. Ha. I don't know. They're having lunch, right? The whole thing in Beauty and the Beast is that they have dinners or whatever. And that's kind of maybe how they start to like get to know each other. But as I was watching this, I was also thinking about how much I was happy that all of this in the movie is just like an extended montage, basically. Right? Like, we, I don't want to see the dirty work of them like living yeah. together and fighting. And it's because oh, he's just, boy. he's so annoying. He, it's like the smallest, most minuscule things just set him off. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like me. He's like me watching this movie where just something happens and I'm like, fuck this, fuck this. And I'm like walking around my room, like, pacing back and forth watching this movie like that's how he acts but it'll be like him having a nice looking dinner in a castle with (laughs) this girl who like why is she there to begin with like does she know do you not okay so that's this is don't remember you should have rewatched these movies uh her father's um on his way to like an invention convention or something uh, he gets lost. He ends up at the Beast Castle. Um, Lumiere and Cogsworth and folks kind of like take him in um, and keep him warm by the fire. The Beast does not like that. So he says, you will be my prisoner. Um, Bell, he has not returned from the convention. So Bell goes out looking for him after his horse comes back riderless. She goes to the okay. castle. Um, her father is very sick because he's being held in a dungeon in the castle. So she makes a deal where her father can go free, but she'll stay in, in his place as prisoner. Now, the objects don't want to be objects anymore. And do you remember the whole thing with the uh, the rose? Yeah, I, I remember the rose part, but I just was like, why? I, I, I knew she was like some... Pri- I didn't remember why. Yeah, she's, she's there in her father's place, um, and she would be in the dungeon, except the objects managed to convince the beast that, hey, this is a lady. This is the thing that is needed to break the curse. Uh, so maybe you should treat her nicely and not keep her in a dungeon. Okay, okay. So, th- th- it's just, <laughs> I just, yeah, we don't want to see him being an asshole because it makes him not likable. And it's like, Beating the Beast already has a lot of issues that some people have with it. I haven't rewatched it recently, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know a lot of people have issues with it now, like, you know, with like, oh, is it Stockholm Syndrome? Is it this? But like, especially when you watch this, you're like, this guy's terrible. Like, yeah, it makes it... A- old jerk and it's it's in the movie as well like there's the turn where she goes to the west wing she sees the rose after he explicitly tells her not to and she flees the castle and he saves her from the wolves right and that's kind of like the point in the movie where he starts to maybe be less of a dick and they kind of start to bond right but there's no this like takes away the magic from that like oh he saved her life and she's like tending him to his wounds right from the original movie because this is like just him being nice the thing that sets him off in this movie is that he's hot in the castle and opens the windows because he's hot and this is another uh, this it's the winter right this is also the thing with the midquel like there's always snow on the ground because that's the timeline of the movie he opens the windows because he's hot and it's not bell who gets cold and yells at him it's the objects as if yeah it could be but they're objects you know surely it should be 
Belle, the person who's alive, to be like, hey, it's a little cold. Can you close the windows? Which she eventually yeah. tells him to do because the objects are cold. But like just the whole premise of like... <laughs> this movie treats the objects... Like, I haven't seen the original movie in a long time, obviously. Mm -hmm. But... The, it treats the objects in this like they're like the fucking minions like they're just there to like sell it to kids like they're not people anymore they're just like look at the funny objects that are talking so like th they just throw out like all the logic that was in the original movie where you still mm -hmm. can like buy it like oh yeah like they're people but they're like cursed like this it makes no like we were saying with the paper i just don't understand <laughs> how is he alive <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. And I think the thing, right, so obviously it's more fun when they talk, but in the original, and you see a few of the characters from the original movie that are enchanted, but that don't talk or have faces, right? So, like, um, Sultan, the dog, right? Well, he's a dog. So I think there's maybe a level there of like, he can't talk anyways. Um, but the, the coat rack or all the dishes and the cutlery, they don't talk, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're just like enchanted, perhaps. Like they don't, maybe they don't actually have human analogs. Uh, but the thing with the Beauty and the Beast midquels is that because they want to have like fun talking objects, they give a lot of like, I guess, faces and voices to objects that maybe should have stayed, you know, like yeah. more um, inanimate than animate. Yeah, definitely. And do you get what it, I mean? It's, yeah. Because they want, they do. Like, obviously, this is marketed towards children to watch on repeat on their VHSs. <laughs> mm -hmm. So to continue the plot a little bit, he gets he gets angry because he's hot. He opens the mm -hmm. window and he screams because he's like, well, I was hot. Maybe if you're and cold, you should just nice. leave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He refuses to apologize for mm -hmm. being the obvious person <laughs> in the wrong here. And he says, uh -huh. no, she should apologize. But Belle and, won't apologize until he apologizes. Yeah, so like this starts, and I'm like, is this some like weird sick like sitcom setup? Like, because I, I went in knowing nothing. I didn't know this was gonna be three shorts. I was like, is this seriously gonna be like an entire hour of just them being like, no, you apologize. Oh no, no that'd be worse. You <laughs> apologize. That'd be far worse if it was a whole hour of this plot. Um, yeah, and then there's also a weird subplot where Lumiere is fighting with this chandelier. Again, like, we don't need more objects who can talk, named Chandeliera, who her whole thing is that she gets closer to the table and, like, gets in Lumiere's light. Like, they're fighting over who's brighter, right? But her, yeah. there's also this weird thing she has where she can't hear. Like, that's like, and yeah, does she have ears? <laughs> she just says, like, the wrong thing every time. And that's, like, like, the joke. Can you uh, get near? And she's like, "Sorry, do you want a deer?" Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like can't hearing rhyme. Like, it, 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 there's no reason. Like, I don't know if there's like some weird wordplay happening here, like in French with like chandelier and hearing or something. But like, it, there's no obvious connection as to why this chandelier can't hear things. It'd be like it when I went through the drive-through at Starbucks. If I said, "Can I get a venti vanilla latte?" They said, "No, I don't want a sloppy toppy." Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> That's <laughs> what it's like. And it, so like, there's a kind of like this parallel. Wait, right. So basically the moral, and each one of these basically has a moral, uh, which I think is very like, and obvious. And that moral is that Lum Lumiere, the candle, the uh -huh. candle fucks. Well, th I mean, that's, that's, that's episode two. We're not there yet. 
But he, th- him and that chandelier, man, they got some chemistry going. They don't. They hate each other. Not by the end of it. They're like best friends. That is true. She is hitting on him a bit at the end. Well, that, I mean, that's yeah, to be like, fair. Every, that's Lumiere's personality in the original movie, too. Like, he's a bit of a rat. He's hitting on this candle. <laughs> he's, he's the man about the castle. But yeah, so we, they're fighting. Uh, and we soon realize why we were introduced to the pen and the paper in the dictionary, who don't like to see the Beast and Belle mad at each other. So they cook up a scheme. And they basically write a letter claiming to be from the Beast, send it to Belle so she'll apologize to him, thinking that she's come of her own accord, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> basically, they devise a plan to stop this, like, bickering so they mm-hmm. cannot get trapped as objects for the rest of their lives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Because we get, like, a quick cutaway to the rose and, like, the object, like, Lumiere, Cogsworth, and Mrs. Potts being like, oh, hey, uh... That rose isn't looking too good. I think a petal falls off in front of them. They're watching their time slowly slip away mm-hmm. of, of um, the possible chance of becoming mortal again. Yep. Uh, and it, it works for a bit until I think someone mentions the letter in front of the clock. Beast. It's Cogsworth? Okay, of course it's Cogsworth. Cogsworth is a total rabbit. <laughs> Anyways. I bet he, you like the clock. I relate to the clock. I relate to the clock as much. Well, although he does make that Baroque joke in the first movie that I quite like. I relate to the candle. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Oh. Um, no, I relate but, to yeah. the, the footstool that's a dog. Dalton? Yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. Do you know why, do you know why his name is Sultan, Sam? No, why? Because he's an Ottoman. Oh. Yeah. That's <laughs> anyways, nice. I like anyways. that. Anyways. Um, yeah, the the letter gets mentioned from a beast. Beast is like, I didn't write a letter, and he loses it. And he loses it in the most insane way. Because his Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it, this movie. <laughs> This is what we're talking about. When the beast goes from like, if he's like at a five on like anger levels in the first movie, he's at like an 11 in this movie. (laughs) 11. He's so angry. For like nothing. It's like, dude, just apologize. You were the asshole. So his reaction to this is that Belle manages, he intones that he's gonna kill the quill and the paper and the dictionary. Uh, Bell manages to intervene, and instead of killing them, he just banishes them from the castle. Which... And also, even when they were getting along, the beast was still being annoying. He was eating too loud while she was trying to read to him. Yeah, I can't say that. I hate the sound of people chewing. It's like, he's a literal man-child. Like, bro. Well, that is why he got punished in the first place. Lest we forget. I, I do forget, because I haven't seen the original, obviously, in you a long ne- time. Wait, okay, you, okay. Um, it's, it's just that he watched a lot as a kid. It's kind of suggested that he was like 11 when this happened. Um, but, uh, da, 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 da. he was basically having a party and this old woman came to the castle and said, Hey, can I, and it was cold. Uh, can I have, can I have shelter? And he was like, no. And she's like, I'll give you this rose. And he was like, no. And then she kind of like revealed herself to be a beautiful enchantress. And she was like, you fucked up. <laughs> now I'm going to turn you into a beast and a curse. Uh, take this rose. If you haven't figured your shit out in ten years, then 
oh no, sorry, by your 21st birthday, then uh, you'll be oh. a beast forever. And then Ooh. in Be Our Guest, Lumiere says 10 years we've been resting. So not to be sympathetic because he's kind of an asshole in this movie, especially, but he was in 11 when that happened. And I know 11 year olds have, I mean, that's pretty, I feel like standard especially attitude for, for an 11 year old. Mm -hmm. And a Prince um, 11 year old too. Anyways, but, but I think, do you think on his 21st, does bell like save him? Like at the last second in the movie, she does, but it's also because he's dying. Okay. I just wanted to, I was just curious, do you think he, on his 21st, got a little crazy with the, you know, with the, <laughs> did he get a little crazy with the bubbly, you think, while he still had that beast body? Because imagine how much he could take. I imagine. Don't know. That'd be a lot. He probably have to clean out his wine cellar. <laughs> I mean, that's all I'm saying, man. I hope he, I hope he had a fun one before he was like dying or whatever happens. Because as we've stated, I haven't seen the original in a long time. I bet, you know, the original ends on like them having a big party where everybody's a human again. I bet that was his birthday party. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, maybe. You know, a combo uh, 21st and congrats, we're not objects anymore party. <laughs> <laughs> congrats, you finally got your shit together after putting us through hell. Um, we're no longer trapped as objects that serve you. <laughs> <laughs> but we still serve you. Because we're still, yeah, we, we still, still employed serve you. at the castle. <laughs> now we're now we make money rather than fearing for our lives. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Well, I yeah, I don't know. He banishes them from the castle and they try to go to the village, but they get lost and just end up back at the castle. Yeah, I thought this was a hour-long movie of just this. So Good God. My, my first thought was, is this just going to be adventures of the dictionary, the paper, and the pen just <laughs> strolling about town? <laughs> I was fully prepared for them to just be men about the town, just going around being like, hey, what's up, guys? And then everyone's like, is that book talking? <laughs> right. I don't know what they would have done if they had gotten to the village, since the villagers do not know of their existence, you know? Yeah. Like... Um yeah, but they end up back at the castle because it's a TV show anyways. Uh, Belle puts them by the fire again to get them warm, which again brings up the question, can they feel cold? Or I eat? thought they were going to catch on fire. I was Same, like, I'm I thought the same thing. They're, they're like, uh, what's it called? They're, uh, they're like um, stationary, you know? That's not a good place to put stationary. Yeah, and then there's a fire later in these. <laughs> there is, there is that like, yeah, that's the next one. Um, Belle has this thing where she blames herself for the whole thing. She's like, I should have just apologized, which is the wrong stance to take because it's not her no, fault. It's really not. <laughs> it's entirely the beasts. And um, the objects are like, we forgive you, Belle, for not um, giving in to the beast's demands. <laughs> yeah, it's super, it's fucked up. Um, I, I don't even know how they resolve this. I think the beast just realizes that he was a dick. He apologizes for real this time, and uh, they all have lunch again. Lumiere learns to apologize to Chandelira, who still has a wax issue apparently because she can't hear anything. Um, yeah, the um, the uh, chandelier and the candle make up, and I can only assume he was cheating on the feather duster with the chandelier. Um, 
Because this man's getting about the castle. Well, I mean, there's that suggestion in the movie, too. In the original movie. And the, the, and the Christmas duck, one. In the Christmas one, it suggested that he has dated the uh, Christmas ornament. Of course he did. <laughs> He's the ladies' man. Oh, I should. we should also say, this also introduces the idea that Mrs. Potts is solving everybody's bullshit. She's kind of like, basically in every one of these clips, it's her like intervention and words that save the day. Who knows uh, where we would be without Mrs. Potts? Yeah, she... Um... She, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. It's a fucking teapot. I don't know. Um, <laughs> She's not voiced by Angela Lansbury anymore, and it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I noticed that for sure. Back. I know Robbie Benson and um, Paige O'Hara came back. Wait, did Paige O'Hara? Actually, I think Paige O'Hara did not come back. That's Belle, by the way. Oh, and then Belle sings a song at the end, which is kind of sad. It's called Listen to the Hearts, and it kind of relates to the episode, but also kind of doesn't. There are two songs in this movie. Paige came back. She's listed. In she did. Okay. I think I think she didn't come back at one point, but yeah, that's not the point. Uh, Angela Lansbury is the one who's really missing here because she's great and she's not here, probably for a good reason. Yeah. Um, she sings a song. I only noted, oh no, a song because I just I I didn't know what this was. I really didn't look into it. I wasn't like, oh, this is three TV shorts. I was like, what is this? Like, what else is, are they gonna do? I was just terrified the whole time because all I knew about this was it's a sequel to Beauty and the Beast, a movie that I have not seen in quite a while, if that's not obvious. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying that. Um, and I knew that, and I also knew you gave it one star because you typically watch stuff before me. Um, for the listeners, let me set a few things up. I watch things usually the day before or like right before. Um, KT watches everything a few days ahead of time. She does her research. I usually am waking up right when we need to record. <laughs> um, that's another reason why I got up at 7 a.m. today. Um, oh, Sam. Just to make sure I could be awake. Well, I also had to deal with some taxes, but that's not fun to talk about on a Disney podcast. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, there's a song. And... That, there are two songs in this, and I don't. I have no recollection of the other one. I didn't. No, Bell sings it. I didn't know another song. What? That's what there I was mean. A, there's another <laughs> I one. I know. There is. Everything else in the world is telling me there's another song in this movie, but I do not know where it is. Maybe I know Bell sings was, it. I have like the faintest recollection. The fourth clip that we didn't watch. Oh, maybe that might have been it. Sorry, <sighs> listeners. I Sorry. listen. If the podcast picks up steam and like we get a lot of feedback of like, guys, what the <laughs> hell? You didn't watch the fourth short of <laughs> Bell's Magical World? We'll do it. We'll go back. We'll go back to the mm -hmm. magical world for a mini episode. No, we'll have to, we'll do the whole pod again. We can do a whole pod again on this <laughs> terrible movie. I will drink three coffees before that one. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Anyway, we should and move there's on. the broom. Uh, okay, the she's feather a feather duster. duster. Yeah, so this, so we move on to the second short called Fifi's Folly. Uh, and this one is oh, fucking, it, this is a name. This combines two of my least favorite kind of like uh, dumb Whoa. short TV show tropes, which is the forgotten anniversary and the misplaced jealousy, misplaced yeah. cheating intentions. Like, I didn't like trope. this either because it's like 
I'm just like thinking in my head. I'm like feather duster. Just break up with candle. Like first of all, he <laughs> forgot. What what is it? Is it their one year or is it it's their five year anniversary? Which again, it's because <laughs> they've been dating for five years, which is surprising. They've been under the spell for ten years, but when their first date is described, it sounds like it could only have happened when they were humans, right? So this movie just gives no regard for the original timeline. This is the issue with midquels, you know? Also, he's been cheating on her the whole time with the chandelier and the Christmas ornaments. Yes, 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 <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, it's basically Fifi, who is the feather duster uh, from the original movie. I don't think she's named in Beauty and the Beast. I think she gets a name in the stage musical, and that kind of becomes standard throughout all the franchise. Um, but she excited because it's their anniversary he tells bell this bell asks lumiere what he's doing and he goes oh shit it's our anniversary uh so bell decides to help him however fifi sneaking around hears them planning the anniversary and thinks that bell is trying to steal lumiere away which yeah. again right if the, all the objects are trying to work together to get bell and the beast fall in love why would fifi think that bell wants to go after the candle that Lumiere would accept that. Well, they make a line, like, they say a line where it's like, um, the Feather Duster overhears Bell and Candle say to each other, like, the Candle's like, oh, we cannot let the little ones hear. Because he's about to explain how he met Feather Duster. And she overhears us and thinks, oh, they're fucking. Um, yeah. And I'm like, she called a hussy. Like that's yeah. strong words for a Disney. What would have been a Disney TV show? I feel like that's like Nixon. Yeah, like one. Those are like both like one or two steps removed from horror, basically. Yeah, and, and Bella's supposed to be the savior and like the heroine of this entire story. And something the candle says really stuck out to me. He says, "Words of love flow like water, but sincerity near impossible." And I was like, "Wow, that's that's that's." That's that guy summed up. That's all those types of guys. They can, <laughs> they can say all the words of love they want, but they can never be sincere. Like the most honestly part of the problem he has is he simply like cannot say I love you to the feather duster. Yeah. It's been five years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it has been five years and they're not doing much else because they're objects. No one lives in the castle. Just the beast, and he's angry half the time. Luckily, however, the beast does not show up in this short. This is a beast free. Yeah, I I was so honestly that that like like you're saying these are two terrible tropes. But if he had just shown up for like two minutes, just him being the asshole he is in this movie, I would have been like, "That's it, I'm quitting the pod. <laughs> Pod's over." Thank you, Disney, for not including beast in this short yeah and i don't know they plan the date um fifi's following around and everything she hears she misinterprets to be like the terrible thing that lumiere is cheating on her with bell or i guess more specific no actually no no because it's not that it's that bell is stealing lumiere away from her right the blame is yes, put on the woman also, which ugh. also terrible because it's like yeah number one i could completely understand her getting upset thinking he's cheating on her because candle's sleeping with everybody 
I, I could get that. That's a, honestly, that's a fear she should have. But then she's blaming Belle. She's like, Belle's stealing him from me. All Belle's fault. <laughs> Anyways, like, she, and then there's, oh God, there's this fucking punch bowl who I guess is meant to be like a British Navy captain in demeanor. Um, and Lumiere turns him into a sleigh and Fifi decides to sabotage their date by kind of like yeah. weakening the ties that uh, will attach Sultan, who in his part is acting as like a sleigh horse to this punch bowl. However- Is that what she does with the scissors? Is that what- Yeah. Okay. Right, then, yeah, and then, so <laughs> fucking hell. The date goes on and she's mad. She's about to leave the castle, like forever. Yeah. She's like, Belle can have him, I'm gone. And again, I'm like, where are you going? <laughs> You're an object. <laughs> Yeah, where are they going? This is like that Toy Story question where you're always like, where do, like, if they just live their own lives, like, what would they do? They're like little plastic immortal people. Which Toy Story 4 gives us a taste of, but yeah, I mean, yeah. before she goes. That's not what these movies are about. That's not no, what no, no, Beauty no. and the Beast is no. about. Exactly, yeah. Uh, she Before she goes, Lumiere is like, oh, actually, surprise, it's our anniversary date. And she quickly realizes that, of course, that he wasn't cheating on her and that he was actually just like setting up for this date and she feels guilty. Um, also before this, Mrs. Potts intervened and said, dear, everything is not what it looks like, right? Like you may be misunderstanding us all. And Fifi goes like, no, of course not. Um, <laughs> Wait, can you do the rest of the podcast talking like Fifi? I can try. <laughs> um, I'm going to yeah. do the rest like Beast, okay? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so angry. Uh, they go on the date, and she's kind of like nervous at first. Uh, there's this fucking tuba who's also um, intimate. Yeah, why the fuck's there a tuba? He just I shows up. <laughs> I have a note that just says a tuba. <laughs> um, and then they're on the sleigh ride. They're having a great time, kind of sliding around the castle grounds. Um, However, Phoebe, we start to notice, we start cutting to the uh, the tie that's attached Sultan to the sleigh, and it's breaking, because they're going pretty fast, and it's snowy. Um, oh, sorry, just before, there's a moment where Phoebe stands in front of the fire, and it's kind of a close-up, so you can just see her kind of, like, bathed in flames, and she says, if I can't have Lumiere, then no one can. And this is yeah. right before she sabotages the thing. And it's very similar to Hellfire without like the damning choral song. It's like, I, I, she I goes thought, full like, Judge Frollo. I thought when she got in the sled and like, cause she cut, she knew she cut the rope. I thought she was just going to be like, all right, I'm going to jump out right when it breaks and kill him. <laughs> But no, she stays in and she doesn't say anything. Uh, they turn a corner and it breaks off in the most ridiculous, like, high-speeding, I guess, punch bowl chase that has ever graced television because they never slow down. At some, yeah. I'm pretty sure I have some basic understanding of physics that at one point the runaway punch bowl would stop moving, right? It would come to a stop, which just does not happen here. Well, and it makes me like feel so bad for the punch bowl because like there's even when Loom when or Candle when Candle's <laughs> like talking to Feather Duster and like being like oh I love you or he doesn't say I love you yet he's like oh my sweet rose my flower like all this stuff it shows just barely in the bottom of the screen the punch bowl 
like his eyes and i just feel so bad for him because he's just there for all of this and then he gets like when the rope breaks it's just him like he can't stop himself he can't stop the candles the candles screaming at him like stop do something and he's like whoa uh i cannot do anything (laughs) so yeah basically he's not trained for this they're on this like runaway thing and you know if you're familiar with beauty and the beast you know that the castle kind of has like a tiered garden thing going on it has a pretty big moat so of course they end up like yeah, of course on a precipice near the moat um huh yeah yep. and <laughs> it's also not entirely clear what would happen if they did crash right maybe the punch bowl would not be looking great but how, again how can how can these people die are they people who, you know? I think when he turned back into a person, he'd have permanent face damage. Also, wait a second. Lumi or er, Candle huh? puts sleds on him, but he like welds them on there. He are those on his feet now? <laughs> when he turns back into a human, are those on his feet? Well, he loses them in the process of the, cla- the crash, rather. I know, but does, do his feet have permanent damage from welding? <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Not <laughs> the original movie. So uh, in when when they when they go off, they 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 fall into this moat that you were mentioning. And they fall in and they get caught by a branch in you mm-hmm. know, classic fashion. This one branch holding them. Mm-hmm. It looks very um unstable. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um the, I don't know. At this point, wait, no, you keep going, keep going, sorry. The the candle and the brew or the feather duster, they're talking and you know, it's it's a classic thing when you're at the edge of your life, you know, as you as you have been, KT, and as you can imagine I have been based off my many adventures, when you're this close to death and you're mm-hmm. staring it in the face, you wanna say what you've always wanted to say. And so Candle is telling Feather Duster. They're going back and forth. They're talking. They're cross-cutting to the other characters, Belle and the teapot and the dog uh, footrest. They're all up there trying to figure out how to save them. And they're, they're cross-cutting back and forth. It's high dramatic tension. It's, it's the peak of cinema. And as the branch breaks, Candle finally says, I love you. And they get caught our pals up above and brought mm-hmm. back up. Make the most insane looking like human chain ever, which involves yeah, an accordion. Because it's not human. Which is it's a good thing the accordion was there because he got some extra flexibility, you know? <laughs> yeah, but is his back permanently damaged? Does he have spinal damage for the rest of his life? I don't know, but it's, it's there's like one cut where you can kind of see the gap between, um, you know, the people on the cliff and where I think Mrs. Potts is at the bottom of the chain is. And it's, I'm like, how do they make that? They save them. Uh, The moral of the story is, you know, don't believe everything you hear, basically, or sometimes everything is not as they seem. It's very Wizards of Waverly Place. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's how I would describe it. (laughs) Wizards of Waverly Place? (laughs) We take a quick tangent on Wizards of Waverly Place. Uh, No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) That's honestly, is that a good show? Is that a good show? I actually haven't seen it since I was um, like, uh, you know, in the age demographic. But I mean, I, I remember it kind of being fun. Like it makes fun of Harry Potter and kind of like a, I, I would say it's bangs. probably better than Hannah Montana. That would be my, like, my guess. 
kind of bangs. Um, I watched a little in college because I had friends who were like classic, like, I don't know. I don't want to make this sound bad because there's nothing wrong with this, but they're just classic, like, let's relive things that we liked as a kid, especially when Disney Plus came out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they were just rewatching seasons of Wizards of Waverly Place. So I caught a little bit and it's kind of like a trashy soap opera. But with wizards and in New York. Yeah. So it's kind of great. I bet. I mean, the wizards allow, I mean, Disney Channel shows are based entirely on hijinks. And, you know, wizards allow for unlimited hijinks. So and if maybe I should anyone remembers, the dad on that show shared his nudes online. So that's always a fun <laughs> trivia. <laughs> oh, you mean actor or like in show? No, the actor, not in the show. There wasn't a <laughs> subplot about sharing nudes in a Disney Channel show. Well, okay, that's, yeah, I went to in-show at first, and I was like, was it an accident, you know? It was, like, he and um, the mom trying to, you know, because <laughs> they didn't know how to work technology, they accidentally uploaded the <laughs> That, honestly, if the show had kept going, maybe they'd try to, you know, pull, like, um, a comedy sitcom with real life a little bit. They could have had a subplot where they try to face it head on on this Disney Channel okay. show. Yeah, that seems like totally appropriate uh, things for a Disney show to cover, you know? I Sounds can see great. nothing wrong with that proposal. Um, but anything. this is not a Wizards of Waverly Place podcast. It should be. Well, <laughs> there's still one more short to go over. This was Wait, my favorite. If... I'll send it to <laughs> What? No, we cannot make a Wizards of Waverly Place. <laughs> what if I have a weird encyclopedic knowledge of Wizards of Waverly Place? That sounds pretty funny to me. I think we should start a podcast. Sam, save it for the DCOM series. <laughs> Save it for the Wizards of Waverly, uh, Waverly Place movie. Oh. Yeah. Remember that? Oh. that was, the movie kind of fucks. It kind of fucks. Don't they go to like an island? Yeah, they do. It's Puerto Rico. I mean, I don't think it's called Puerto Rico on the movie, but it's you look at it and you go, that's Puerto Rico. Okay. Yeah. Because they're, and they, they have like their big wizard tournament. Okay. I, while you're saying it, I'm realizing I don't remember it. And it's kind of like a Back to the Future thing. It's like a, where somebody wishes that somebody had like, no, I think Alex wishes that her parents had never met. So there's like a oh. race to undo that before like the children fade away. Race to which mountain, if you will. Well, no, because that has doing the Rock Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Can we cover that? That's Disney. Again, that's another movie that falls into a category that I think could be a potential ground in the future. But. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We're still on yeah. Bell's magical world. <laughs> We're still four movies into this idea. And okay. technically the first one we covered is not even a sequel. Well, I don't really count that one. Oh, that's true. Honest, if I'm being honest. That, that one, like, I get so many people yelling at me. Like, why did you do Fox and the Hound? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I put an episode description <laughs> that explains why we did it we explain it at the end of the pod i'm sorry we didn't have an intro at the start of it we were it was a test run it's an episode zero <laughs> yeah it's the pilot episode 
It's the pilot. All all TV shows, except I think I even said on that one, except like Arrested Development have rocky pilots. Like, what are some good pilots? Not Friends. I've never seen Friends. Friends pilot is odd. What else? The Seinfeld one is odd because there's like this waitress character who they had for Elaine. Um, like oh. she was supposed to be like the third one uh, and they're on like a totally different diner than what ended up being like the standard diner. Did we do a Seinfeld podcast? No. Okay, we should finish this one and talk about this bird. There's a bird! And Beast bird. hates birds. Cause Beast hates birds, which puts the uh, something there montage from the original movie into a new perspective. Which if you don't remember... Do you remember that, you remember that song, Sam? Yeah. I feel like you don't. I'm just going to say that entire song, or at least the beginning of that song, is predicated on the beast trying to learn how to feed birds. Oh, I think I remember that now. I mean, there's a lot of character growth from, um, you know, hating birds for no real reason that's ever explained uh, to, you know, hanging out with them. I think the reason this one's better is because you're off to a couple good starts. Good start number one. You get the closet. Oh, um, oh yes. Mm-hmm. Good start number two. There's a bird. The bird. Mm-hmm. Um, good start number three. The clock gets yelled at by the beast, and fuck that clock. Clock I, sucks. I, had, I like that it's a clock-centric episode, you know? We had the linear good... one, now we have the Cogsworth one. Uh, yeah, and it, what, what's, like, kind of the moral of this? Oh, it, the moral of this one is, like, leadership. So there's the thing with the bird, and then the B-plot is Cogsworth trying to lead the cutlery and the dishes into a successful lunch. And he has to learn yes. not to be like a dictator, basically, which the beast also learns, but with a bird. Yes, these uh, for some reason, these shorts have a weird thing where they want to tell two dual narratives, but they're the same narrative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first one has the same thing with the candle and the chandelier, where it's the same thing that Beast and Belle go through. Yeah. Um. So this one has the same thing where it's the candle going through the same thing as the beast you mean the clock what oh the clock the clock (laughs) and the beast they're two different objects they're completely different (laughs) there's a candle and there's a clock and one of them was played by josh gad right in the movie yeah should we talk about that no 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 josh gad played lefou oh yeah you're right he's supposedly gay but you know Right. And he was like, he's gay. And then everyone was like, what is he? Cast on, man. That chest hair. Chest Think hair. about that almost he daily. Eats all those eggs. He eats all those eggs. Ga- Gaston should have won. I'm sorry. Damn. I, <laughs> I don't know. All right. Just, I'm, <laughs> I'm throwing out hot takes about a movie I haven't seen since I was a child. Christ. All right, right, okay. Um, right, the beast is threatening Cogsworth with his lunch. Uh, he he threatens him. It's again, it's unclear what he would do. I suppose kill, fire him, maybe in a literal sense by throwing him into the fire since he is made out of wood. Um, this bird, which for some reason is flying around in the middle of winter, comes. Bell takes him in. Um, and beast is like really betting on this lunch. He's really excited to have this big fancy lunch with Bell. She she shows up late because she's taking care of this bird, and that's where the kind of main conflict happens. 
the clock says that they're going to have lunch at 12 on the dot. And that reminded me how I'm always late for the recordings. Um, so am I. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but at least you're prepared. <laughs> I did so much preparation for this episode, though. Your two coffees? Yeah, that was a lot. I spent my whole morning like, all right, all right, all right. Getting in the mental headspace. I'm like, we're talking about Beauty and the Beast. We're talking about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> two separate Starbucks. Right? Yeah, two different Starbucks. Two a quick tangent. Quick huh? tangent. Um, <laughs> the second Starbucks I went to, um, the barista that served me, I was actually friends with in high school. Oh. Sophomore year of high school, I knew this guy. Totally a, a nice guy. I don't want to talk bad about him. Cool guy, totally cool. I met it like we hung out once. I brought my Xbox to his house. We played Halo together. Um, oh. we were we were both like kind of like people who didn't like video games, so it was kind of like us ironically playing Halo. We were like, Isn't this funny? We're like playing Halo, isn't that so ironic? Like, who are <laughs> like, we're we're playing a video game that like middle schoolers play, like, isn't that funny? Um, but then we just genuinely played halo um and then one time he insulted beck the musical artist beck um mm-hmm. you know beck right i do know beck i'm interested to see where you go with this uh he insulted beck at the peak of my beck love i just loved beck that's all Uh-oh. i thought about was beck oh i went to a beck concert it was it was Beck before um, U2. He opened for U2? Yeah, he opened for U2. And I left when U2 came on. <laughs> <laughs> I left. The woman, standing, the woman standing next to me was like, she was like, I don't really know who this Beck guy is. His music's okay. She was like, I'm here for U2. And I literally left when U2 came <laughs> on stage. <laughs> I was like, Bono? More like, Bon, no. <laughs> those like two, U2 is expensive, but those like $200 tickets for just to see Beck? I think so. I don't know. My mom just knew I loved Beck. And she was Aww. like, I'm not going to not let my boy see Beck. So anyway, that's how into Beck I was. And this guy was like, yeah, Beck sucks. He was like, he was like, you need to listen to M83 or whatever. That What is that? M83? You know what I, Kids? Yeah. 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 Time to pretend. Yeah, 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 they're, they're a band. Yeah, he was like, you need to listen to this. And I was like, get out of here. I hate you. I never want to speak to you again. <laughs> and so now every time I, I say see... what I think of Beck then. <laughs> no, I, I don't like Beck anymore. Okay, I've, cool. I've gone I, hard. Yeah, I don't like Beck. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Beck. Uh, I've made Beck. too many bad albums now to make up for the few good ones. They all sound the same. They, Beck puts me to sleep. If I'm like, I need to sleep, I will put on Beck. Beck? Cool. Okay. I, I'll be snoozing in five minutes. <laughs> I don't like, what's his first album? Mel- Mellow Gold? That's like the one most people know because that's like his like really like, that one's just a hard listen in my opinion. It's it's going for like that abrasive sound. Um, I think Odelay is his best one because it has that abrasive feel but it still has like good songs. What's the one with his face on it? With like, And there's like three stripes of paint. On the front. Oh, that's that's sea changes, I think. Okay, or, that familiar. Yeah. That that's the one that he wrote when he like broke up with his wife, I think. Mm-hmm. And that one that one's okay. Or no, are you talking about the newest one, Colors? That was a no. pop album. 
This is the old one, because it was always in, like, iPod ads and stuff. Okay, yeah. Then, yeah, sea changes. Colors was bad. It was just kind of whatever. Morning phases was bad. That one's just, like, not... Like, that one puts me to sleep. Okay, okay. This is good Beck talk, but we need to finish. We're the, we're the Beckdale cast. We're not the Beckdale uh, cast. <laughs> Although, does this movie pass? Does this movie pass? No, she never talks no, to another... Oh, she Bell talks in the closet, I guess. Yeah, about the... And oh, Fifi. I guess... Yeah, yeah. No, because she talks to Fifi about Lumiere, so that wouldn't count. But I guess, yeah, she talks, talks to the... I guess closet, the closet about, about the bird. bird. Yeah, okay. All right, it passes. <laughs> I guess this movie's better than... I don't know. What's a movie that doesn't pass? No, probably both Aladdin sequels. Yeah, it's better than them, I guess, on that front. I give it that. There you go. <laughs> We're not um, here to talk Bechtel. We're here to talk Bird. Uh, <laughs> bird, Brad Chip. Bird. No, Chip finally talks in this as well. Like the other two shorts, Chip is there, but he never speaks. Um, so he finally gets to talk here. Uh, Belle is late to lunch. Beast goes to look for her, and she says, "Oh, I forgot all about you," which is not what he needs to hear right now. He's mad, <laughs> yeah. but she somehow t- nope. she manages she manages to, to convince him. Oh, there's something where he falls down the stairs, right? He hurts himself, and they're like, "Oh no, Beast." No, Real quick about him getting mad. It's so, it's such a perfect, honestly, encapsulation of this type of person because he gets so angry at her. He's like, Why were you late? And then when she hits him with the truth of, she's like, I don't know, I just forgot about you. He gets so <laughs> sad, like instantly. Yeah. He's like, What? Like, <laughs> uh, but he falls down the stairs and because he's, I don't know, he like trips on his cape or something. Uh, and the bird, he, he's kind of laying there all dazed and the bird starts singing and he's like, you know what, actually, this bird, kind of nice. It's making a nice sound. Uh, so I like his, birds. He's like, I like birds now. And Belle's like, great. And he's, but then his reaction after that is to, I'm going to put it in a cage and keep it in my room and, uh, it will be mine forever. And Belle's like, no, 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 no. That's overreaction. It has to go. It's, it's wing is almost healed. And he's like, nope, that's what I'm going to do now. Uh, there's nothing wrong with putting people in cages, right? <laughs> uh, Sorry. Yeah. I, I have no idea how Belle could, uh, react to that, you know, being put in a cage, being forced to stay at a place against her will, you know, no similarities there. I don't know. And then the beast is like birds sing and the bird doesn't want to sing because he's sad and cold and in the cage. Yeah. So uh, he yells at the clock to make the bird sing. He yells at Cogsworth to sing and Cogsworth goes, no. And then he's like, oh, maybe Belle will sing. And Cogsworth goes, I don't think Belle would want to sing for you right now, which is a valid point. Yeah. And they both learn about leadership and not yelling at people. Basically, that's the moral. They learn not to yell. Mrs. Potts uh, basically says, how would you feel like if you were put in a cage? And Beast goes, hmm. And someone says, sounds like Belle. And he learns that if you love something, you gotta let it go. Which, which is why this is, I think, the best one. I'm gonna say it. It has a decent moral. Well, it has a decent, well, yes. But it also is the only moral that kind of has thematic ties to the movie. Right? Right. Like, a cleaned-up version of this, perhaps, could be put into the original ver- movie. You know? As, right. like, the beast learning, like, oh, maybe it's not great to keep someone against their will. So that what it becomes the, the moral bigger. of the first one is just, like, uh, sometimes apologize? you gotta apologize. Yeah. 
Um, the moral of the second one is like, don't always, you know, assume the worst and like, like, you know, I don't know, just, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, just yeah, don't. No, but this one like kind of like leaves you with a little dangle of the beast learning a lesson that actually has resonance later on in the narrative, which is like the other half of the movie when he loves, like, you know, learns to love Belle and lets her go back right. to the village, even though he doesn't want to. And he knows that the, the flower is about to expire, right? Yes. Um... And you know what? Coming to think about it, coming to think, there is a part early on in Beating the Beast when Beast yells at Belle and he, he goes to apologize to her. He is the one to yeah. apologize. And that's when he realizes that she's left the castle, I think, yeah. I believe. Like, you know, like he's the one being the bigger man, which if this happens after that, I, yeah, I don't, listeners, this is not it. Overall. It's really not. It's kind it's of not. terrible. Mm -hmm. It's very terrible. Um. So is that it? My notes end at Beast Freeze Bird. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's like a mar mildly perilous thing where he has to go out because the bird, it's still fucking snowy outside. The bird kind of like gets stuck on the roof and he has to save it. He ends up saving the, the bird. And I think he has like a small moment with Belle. Oh, there's like the moment where he's having lunch with Belle on some other day, I guess. And the bird has come back with his own girlfriend. Uh, and it's like, oh, two lovebirds, huh? Wink, wink. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah it's, that's right. I, yeah, I think this is the, I don't want to say best because that implies that it's good, but it's better than the other two. Yeah, it's still a terrible movie that should be burned. Um, <laughs> like many things in life that are terrible, they should be destroyed. Um, <laughs> um, I'm not backing off this point. Anything that's slightly bad, destroy it. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm going to read to you the highest review of this on Letterboxd. Um, Please do. It's four stars. It's too high. Uh, it was from about two years ago now. Okay. Uh, and they just... It, it's one of those profiles. I'm sure we've all seen this, especially us, since we're doing this where we go through direct video sequels a lot of the reviews on these are like parents weirdly even really? on letterboxd I, I haven't seen that at all actually maybe this is more just because randomly i'll look up like lego uh ninjago specials on letterboxd just because i'm like who the fuck's reviewing that uh and i'm not talking about the movie i'm talking about like the tv specials like i'm like who mm -hmm. who's reviewing that and you'll see parents who are just like like it was cute and my kids were happy. Um, so that this falls in that kind of vein. It, it's obviously a parent and they're saying, give it four stars and they say, your child could learn a lot from this movie. If you think about it, because the beast has to learn to be nice in every way. Plus they can learn how to forgive people as well. Now is the opportunity to show your, your kids. It's worth it. Plus have fun watching. No. <laughs> Um, the next highest uh, actual review is a three star that just says, love these characters. I guess if you were to get anything from this movie, it is more time with some characters that you enjoy. Do they resemble the characters they are in the original movie? Not especially. No. <laughs> Maybe Lumiere does and Cogsworth. <sighs> 
I would say don't show this to kids. I disagree with that first review. I would not show this to children. The first would, one's the worst one of all. You could possibly it's... learn uh, bad luck. Did the review or the, the shorts? Yeah. Both? I'm, I'm going to go with both. Yeah, both. The re that review's bad and the first short's bad. Mm -hmm. Most of the shorts are bad. Yeah, they're pretty bad. But I think the first um... is the worst. Oh. No, yeah, the first brings up too many questions, and the chandelier plot just... Uh, mm. So Yeah, it's yeah. just... Yeah, it's like... Toy Story 4, I know you don't like it, but purposefully I, pulls I at the strings of the logic. This is pulling at the strings of Beauty and the Beast in ways it should not for a direct-to-video huh? sequel. Mm-hmm. No, KT, just on the record, you hate Toy Story 4? Is that what I I'm understanding, Senator? No, 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 no. Senator, no, no. please, we need a comment on Toy Story 4. I do not like Toy Story 4 as much as the other Toy Stories. Now, I have not seen Toy Story 3 since it was in theaters, so maybe, I don't know, I, I, that's kind of like, I'm basing this off of like a 10-year-old opinion. Um, I don't like certain elements of Toy Story 4. But it's, you know, it's animated well. It's not a bad movie. It's still a Pixar movie, but it's not like The Good Dinosaur. All right, I think that's it for, I don't know, do you have any final thoughts on Beating the Beast? Belle's magical world? Are we ready to leave the magical world? Uh, I don't, you know, when you phrase it like that, I don't know if I ever want to leave the magical world. I want to leave immediately. <laughs> I, I want to stay. It beats what's it beats the real world. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't. Actually, yeah, you know that's a good point. Actually, so you know, I I went into this thinking I don't know how this recording's gonna go. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, I just chugged a lot of coffee mm -hmm. and hope this episode turns out good um me too i, I, I hope that people like it a film on the bottom of the uh editing room floor um i don't think so i think i'm gonna keep it all in <laughs> no i'll be some all stuff that gets off. cut okay uh <laughs> um yeah i next week we will be going to a different world in fact we'll be journeying to a new oh. world with another Disney princess. That's right. Um, Pocahontas, which is going to be episode vaguely continues on her not really historical story. Yes. And what we'll say for now, I think. Yeah. So be prepared for that in your feed next week. Um, same time as usual. And hopefully um and thanks for joining us follow us on twitter uh at vaulting the wall you know tweet at us excuse me what? oh tweet at us i thought you said something else what <laughs> okay uh tell me off mic what you thought i said okay <laughs> is there any final anything you want to i do not want to be a guest in this movie. I was the one who said be your guest and I apologize. <laughs> Thank you. I accept your apology. All right, see you guys next week.